Hello and welcome to the Court of Outlets podcast. I'm Joe and I am joined by Muse. Hi. Who is very excited. And V. Hi. And before we get any further, I just want you all to know that this podcast is presented everywhere you can listen to your podcast to preserve the integrity of Zack Snyder's creative vision. Please. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's uh, in three, four ratio. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was the funniest title card when I saw that. I was just like, already, I'm like, this is going to be excellent. I can smell the ego. I'm ready. So, if you couldn't guess, we are going to be talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which had just released on HBO Max March 18th. But, because it is four hours long, we are breaking it up into two different episodes. So, we are going to be talking about part one, chapters one, two, and three. Now, we all had pretty similar opinions before it was released. I think out of the three of us, the one who was the most excited was V. <laughs> I was ready. I, I, I brought good food. I got, like, a blanket and pillow. I got in my jammies. I was, like, camped out like it was a slumber party. I was so excited to watch this. It was a trip. The current ratings updated as of today... IMDb is sitting at an 8.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, regular critics are giving it 74%. Top critics are giving it a 59%. And the audience is giving it 97%. Thus proving that only loyal fans will sit for four hours <laughs> to see your vision. Yep. Some of them, as I've seen on social media, multiple times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious to see how these compare. Granted, trying to compare a movie that came out in, like, 2017, like, what the difference is between first release Justice League and Zack Snyder's Justice League. You know, I was thinking about this, and, like, one of the reasons I was excited to see the Snyder cut is because the first one was such a weird Frankenstein. I mean, mm -hmm. it was really awful but it kind of reminded me of um ai or artificial intelligence which was directed by steven spielberg after um stanley kubrick did the screenplay the idea was that steven spielberg was trying to do a kubrick film mm -hmm. but kubrick had been trying to do a spielberg film oh so oh. the horrifying amalgamation of these two directors it's a train wreck absolutely horrifying because it is a sweet story about a little boy who basically is Pinocchio, but because I think Spielberg was trying to be Kubrick, he made all these decisions where it was really dark and upsetting and sort of nerve-wracking. Mm -hmm. And when it ended up happening was it was kind of, at least from what I've heard, um, a box office bomb. And I know that for me, when I saw it, I was completely blown away because I like Kubrick okay, but I love Spielberg films. So that's kind of the vibe I was getting from Justice League. I was like, this is the Frankenstein of two directors that do not mesh well. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how egotistical of Joss Whedon to basically recreate the Avengers with uh, the mother boxes being <laughs> the Infinity <laughs> Stones. Yeah. Imagine my surprise. <laughs> it was not him. <laughs> It was actually our boy <laughs> Snyder all along. Yep. It was Zack Snyder all along. I was <laughs> shocked. This is very this is very exciting news. So getting to see which parts were actually his vision and which ones that we were blaming on Whedon, 
was really interesting. Yeah, to me. that was enlightening. Yeah, especially like or just the whole conversation between Barry and Bruce. <laughs> yeah. That sounded like such a weird Whedon thing. Like, oh, I'm going to try doing mm-hmm. dumb, witty banter between characters. And like, nope. Even the funny. snack hole. When he's like, I'm a snack hole. I was like, that's totally Whedon. Snyder's <laughs> like, this is my vision of Barry. Oh, my God. Snack hole. <laughs> All right. Cool. I'm going to get into that. Yeah, before we go any further, we want to do something different. After our Wonder Woman 84 review, we want to do our best to try and speak some positive things about this film before we get into it. And when I say we, I mean me and V, because (laughs) Muse is voluntarily opting out for this selection. How weird. You're usually the ray of sunshine. I know, but I was raised that if I have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. That is how (laughs) sad I was with this. Wow. So, Fee, would you like to go first? Um, sure. So, we were supposed to say three positives? Okay. You could do one could to do... three. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. So, my favorite thing about this version <laughs> is the Diana and Alfred tea party. <laughs> There's this very adorable scene where Alfred is messing with tech, and he's trying to make basically a gauntlet for Batman to convert energy into, like, a blaster. Wonder Woman, like, gives him grief, says, well, maybe you should make him a lasso, but in black, of course. Um, But she also is trying to make tea, and Alfred starts panicking because she almost puts the leaves in before the water, and she almost does this instead of that, and he's just, like, hovering. And she's like, no, no, I got it. I can do it. He's like, oh, no. She's gonna make tea in an American way. (laughs) And then uh, she makes it, and she's like, you don't want any? He goes, no. (laughs) but that was like a very small moment but i thought they both had like some some good lines diana didn't trip over her words she wasn't posing which is like a problem in this movie yeah but she she was just very natural and organic and they had good chemistry and it was sort of sweet to see those two like giving each other grief Mm -hmm. your turn um well i do want to say that you know, despite actually seeing it and everything, I am happy for Zack Snyder that he did get to lay out his vision for everybody. Not many people get that opportunity. Another positive from the movie, happy to see that the Olympians made an appearance and Ares actually did not have that ridiculous mustache that he had <laughs> in the first Wonder Woman oh movie. He had a full-on beard this time. He looked better, didn't he? He did. Mm-hmm. Much and better. he almost <laughs> killed Darkseid. Yeah, he did a great job. He uh, pretty much carried that battle on yeah. his back. Really gave me any respect for that villain. I also <laughs> want to say Desaad looked cool. It was pretty cool. Messenger Very way. menacing. If you see Desaad in the comics, he looks like a clown. <laughs> He's a raisin. Yeah. He's just the shrimpy, not menacing. The big scary thing is Steppenwolf and Granny Goodness. Like, those are who you do not want to mess with. Yeah, so it was cool to see them like, no, no, no. We're not going to have Desaad look like a little court jester. We're going to have him look like a molten monster, which is weird. Uh, it's a choice. That was just the the way that they were using the messaging, you know? It's kind of like how Star Wars does, like, the hologram. Sure, but I thought it, the effects looked cool. He looked menacing, and he wasn't too, like, chatty, unlike mm-hmm. uh, our main villain. Steppenwolf. A little whiny. <laughs> uh, I did not like his outfit, but I did like Desaad. Speaking of outfits, also Volko. 
Uh, if yes. you watched Aquaman, hey. they put our boy Willem Dafoe in this stupid little top knot, and his outfit looks terrible. And in this one, his outfit looked very cool, hard to move in, hard to swim in, mm-hmm. and his hair is all down, and he looks way more menacing and old and serious, and I liked it. And also, one that was V's personal fave is that the Hans Zimmer Wonder Woman score made it into the film. Yes, it did. Yeah, that's right. I love that. I think I've heard some things on Twitter where fans were definitely like praising the song usage and being like, oh, you know when things get hype when that violin comes out. Oh man, yeah. (laughs) One of the squares on our bingo sheet is that Diana carries the team. I'm positive she's going to carry the team. Just that song, I just, every time I hear it, I'm like, shush. (laughs) No vocals. Do you understand me? There are no <laughs> lyrics to that song. There are no, oh, praise Wonder Woman. Oh, wow, I wish I could worship at her shrine. Hallelujah. No, it's <laughs> it's just like an awesome, cool sound. They even reincorporated that for the Themyscirans when they're like beating the drums. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome. I want to hear it all the time. I'm baffled it wasn't in the Wonder Woman 1984 yeah. movie. And I bet we're going to also hear more of the Superman bong. (laughs) His his ominous sound. Oh, is it Superman time? Such a good score. (laughs) 40 years ago. Run, it's Superman! It still holds up. It it plays in a couple other things, but we got that. Yeah. The theme of all of these films is that there's no hope. No, it's no. future state flash. Hope oh, is yeah. dead. Hope is I, don't, dead. I didn't get that from this. I got, without gods, there is no hope. But guess what? We're going to make our own gods yep. to fight the new gods who fought the old gods. So the old gods are the Greeks. The new gods are the, uh, well, the new gods. New Genesis and Apocalypse. Right. Yeah. And then you've got the new, new, new gods. And they're the Justice League. <laughs> and that's why hymns play whenever they enter a scene. <laughs> With the dumbest lyrics. The, uh, the, one, the one for Cyborg, I could feel tears coming out of my eyes. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> it was... Both Aquaman's hymns. Double him, Aquaman. <laughs> he deserved it. I like how he litters on land after complaining about humans littering. Sorry, I loved it so much. It's okay. So, V volunteered to read off the summaries of these things. I got you. Chapter one, because Zack Snyder made sure, he's like, yes, you are getting all four hours of my vision, but I am breaking it up into six segments for you. Also why his wife, Deborah Snyder, still went to Twitter and said, it is still better as a viewer to watch it in its segments and take a break. I feel like she hates it too. Oh, I would not be surprised. That's That kind of sounded like it was too much for me. Please don't do this to yourself. <laughs> That's what I heard. Ugh. So chapter one, V, which right. is Don't Count on It, Batman. Okay, uh. can I can I say that the title cards with the stupid testosterone quotes are just chef's kiss? <laughs> <laughs> it's so... <laughs> It's so cringy. I just, I feel like I'm in the late, no, early 2000s. That's what it feels like. Like I'm watching a Seth Rogen interpretation of Justice League. Um, Anyways, so we open up with Superman dying. Now you'll recall in the last one, it was pretty much like everyone mourning his death. 
while a sad folk ballad plays. In this one, we open up with uh, Superman screaming for like four minutes. There's a death scream that is heard around the world, under the ocean, on Themyscira. Can I just say, just about that, I was ready to walk out. (laughs) Yeah. I do not remember a scream like this at the end of that movie, first There wasn't one. It's a super scream. We can't understand it with our human minds. It's super stupid is what it is. They were doing it in slow-mo, which is going to be one of my biggest harps over this entire thing, is the copious amounts of unnecessary slow-mo in places where there shouldn't be slow-mo. Yes. Yet the reverberations in slow-mo was the same wavelength it was out of slow-mo. True. When I saw this, I was trying to remember back to Batman versus Superman because the way it set it up was we had a slow motion view of Superman being impaled, right? Mm-hmm. We see the blood dripping off of the spike through his chest. And I'm like, how did he die in, in Batman or Superman again? And then it like cuts to Batman with a gun. And I'm like, Batman? <laughs> <laughs> did he do that? I can't remember. <laughs> I just don't know who can- I don't know. It doesn't matter because immediately I was distracted by the ripple that went around the world. And it wakes up the mother boxes, especially in Themyscira. Uh, Bruce hunts down Aquaman in an Icelandic village, and hymns play. (laughs) Aquaman tells Batman he doesn't want to be friends, basically, after stealing $25,000 from the man, and then he dives into the ocean. There's an extreme close-up of a woman singing a song into the camera for a long time, in total earnest, just staring into the camera. And it's so creepy, and then it makes it worse because she goes and picks up Aquaman's sweater and smells it. It was really strange. I was like, this is what we were missing out on the last one? <laughs> All right. What Keep it? going. You um, don't want to smell Momoa's musk? Well, it's wet. I bet it smells like wet dog. Oh, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> it's already, like, setting up. It's like, these are gods. And I'm watching it like, oh, no. Because, <laughs> like, I was expecting a, li- a little bit of Superman worship, a little bit of Joker worship. But no, we're worshiping everyone in this building. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a hymn. That makes them sound like a god. But the transition between the death scream and the Icelandic village was so weird because you're like, is it happening right after Batman v Superman? Is it months later? We get no time frame. Yeah, for someone who likes to put so much text on screen, I was expecting someone to put down in the corner, you know, location, time. But we don't get any of that. We just get these stupid quote title cards. Yeah, we, we basically see Bruce Wayne. He's rocking a beard, a lot of white hair took a horse across a bunch of glaciers we already have been asked to suspend too much disbelief so we're still kind of like trying to let that sink in while dealing with the aquaman situation they make it sound all mystical super intense there's vocals it's this crescendoing and then there's that guy and he just talks like (laughs) it's like oh it's that guy like (laughs) we all know that guy Bruce was, like, explaining it to him, and he was like, you know, you're helping these guys, you can help save the world. And the guy's like, I don't work with anyone, heroes work alone. You ever hear of Superman, Superman works alone? He's like, oh, I was with Superman when he died. He goes, yeah, see, well, I don't want to be like that guy. And then we get to cut to Themyscira, and we see tons of Amazons guarding a box. They're all pointing spears at it and just standing there. (laughs) Nubia, I assume, sneaks up to the box and... (laughs) She's gonna poke it with the... She's gonna poke it with a stick. <laughs> Everyone's just, like, posing like supermodels, and it started to get oh, on my yeah. nerves. So Hippolyta shows up, 
shortly after uh, the parademons show up and we get Steppenwolf and there's a crazy fight scene. But these women, they're constantly posing. None of them have any sense of urgency on their faces because their faces have to be Jessica Alba in Fantastic Four slapping. <laughs> yes. You know, we want to look pretty. We don't want to look too worried. Nobody furrow their mm-hmm. brows. We're going to die, and we're going to die like models. So yeah. all of them are posing <laughs> into each move. The way they acted when they were, the, like, the urgency, like, we have to seal the gate. We're dying in here. It was so, not even melodramatic. There was no, no drama. They're just like, okay, I die every day. Hapalta was awkward herself, but it was really awkward, like, when the other captain woman behind her, her face was doing, like, all kinds of weird, oh, no. <laughs> That's why the others just didn't give any attempt at all. They nope. knew it was a lost cause. Okay, so, basically, there's a fight scene. Hippolyta does traditional thing where she reaches down at some random dying girl and like looks at her and the girl goes, you need to escape, leave us behind. And she goes, okay, I'll do that. (laughs) And she like takes the box and she runs. And the other women who have their abs exposed to imply that they're stronger than the others, I suppose, <laughs> just got to flex on them, like, literally. <laughs> they, uh, they have these hammers, they start destroying the gates, but of course they just start destroying the gates before she can get past them because mm-hmm. they're stupid or something. So they have to like hold the gate up uh, as they're squished so she can like do a baseball slide down mm-hmm. in slow mo mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to up the urgency i don't know so she escapes as the entire thing collapses into the ocean and she's like okay well i guess we killed them and steppenwolf and his parademons emerge completely unharmed she just killed all those women for nothing but it's fine because for every amazon you killed two more spawn in their place <laughs> there's just tons of amazons I will say the fight scene gets good when they're on horses because I love seeing them riding horses and doing horse tricks. I didn't like the mm-hmm. CG where they go no. yeah. slingshotting off the horses or that yeah. one woman, I don't know, had some like Captain Marvel power that she shot into an arrow. There was a lot of weird stuff happening that I wasn't entirely sure about, but I did enjoy mm-hmm. the horse tricks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the one thing I like with Amazon. Yeah, they're really cool, but you could see the cgi was really the cgi fake. was very real throughout that whole film yeah it, it felt really fake i feel like if this came out like early 2000s not like even like no? that sky looked fake like how do you mm-hmm. make the sky look so bad it looks similar to 300 to me honestly it did well, that's what it was yeah the other okay, issue you're right. with the mascara is the reason i loved it so much in the original wonder woman and then even in Wonder Woman 84. The mascara is always bright and colorful. And of course, in Snyder fashion, he got rid of any kind of saturation. Yeah, I mean, it. that's what people were saying about it being looking like a comic book movie. I just now got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That's what they're saying. <laughs> it looks fake. Okay, I get it. I'm on board. It's like Sin City. And Steppenwolf. God, that outfit. <laughs> so bad. So weird. God. I didn't like Steppenwolf in the Whedon version either. And this one was just like, I don't know what's worse. <laughs> it's an higher death. It's like, you want to see his weird little long loincloth swing around? No, but you're gonna. All the little needles of his armor just move on their own. While he's talking and you're like, this is so distracting. It's very <laughs> distracting, but look, he tried something. I don't think it worked. Okay, anyways, I'm done. So after that scene, Stefan Wolf looks for a base. They find a power reactor. 
he has like a Snyder moment where he says something like, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> it's toxic." That's, That's good. good. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh so Self-insert. hard. Self-insert. Yep. <laughs> so cut to Martha losing the farm. Another weird cut. It was very yeah. weird cut. They're speckled throughout. There's like a Martha scene here, and then there's like a, a Lois, Lois scene. scene there where Lois is like sniffing his cape, and then there's like <laughs> another one of like doing stuff and being sad, and you're like, okay, yeah, we get it. They're still there. We also see uh, Alfred greeting Bruce as he comes home, and of course he's nagging Bruce, but not in like a fun way, in kind of like a oh, yeah. I hate you way. <laughs> like, first of all, Alfred is depressed. <laughs> Secondly, Alfred clearly hates Bruce. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not know why he's there. He cannot keep it together for ten minutes. So he's just like, maybe you aren't good at being outside of your bat cave. And Bruce is just kind of like, ouch, you know? <laughs> He just takes it. He's whipped by now. Like, living with (laughs) Alfred has ruined his soul. He, like, has no self-esteem. He's like, listen, someone's gotta stop the alien invasion. And Alfred's like, maybe there won't be an alien invasion. Did you ever think of that? Bruce is like, they're probably already here. Superman destroyed entire cities. Like, were you here? He doesn't say that. I put that in his mouth. But that's what he should have said. Anyways, that basically ends chapter one. We had the Wonder Woman fight. Oh yeah, I totally skipped past that in my head. It was just so... Yeah, so there's a Wonder Woman fight right after that. It's the bank scene that we're familiar with, Mm -hmm. where Wonder Woman has to save a bunch of children. It was the only scene I really liked in the Whedon cut, because it was quick, it was snappy, it tells us the threat, it tells us her solution, it shows us that she's efficient, and it gave us that great Hans Zimmer <laughs> scar. I loved it. It was perfect. Would not change a thing. Snyder would, though. He padded that thing to about twice its original length. That oh, was yeah. Every scene from the Whedon cut. Oh, my gosh. There's so much. There's a, like a ton of time setting up that these are robbers, these guys are threats. The kids are scared. There's Wonder Woman. And we have to show her killing each one of these guys as graphic of a way as possible. Yeah, you have to see the blood splatter as she throws the guy against the wall. The worst was when she blasts the man with her bracers. She shockwave kills this guy. And then these kids have no reaction at all. None. They're just like, oh, that was fun. I had a good time. Do you have a good time? (laughs) And like the one girl's just standing there and I'm like, oh, this is the one who's not cool with murder. There's always one kid who's not down with murder. And she says, hello, princess. What's going on with you? What's up? And the girl's like, can I be you? Oh, CW Batwoman. That was a a ripped moment from that where it's just like, I just saw you kill a guy. I love you. So we saw a lot of that weirdness where people would react to the superheroes. And it's very clear that they've been told something entirely different is happening in front of them (laughs) because the way they're acting is so different from what we saw. And this moment was like pure cognitive dissonance. I had no idea what was happening. It really was. And Diana trying to be like, it's okay. There was no emotion involved in it all. And I'm like, Gal Gadot, I know you can act. I blame someone else on this or the fact that there was no like epic music i gotta say those editors were kind to her in the weed and cut okay they cut out a lot of like her bad acting really unconvincing moves they chopped it down to like where she really seemed like the most efficient and together person on the justice league and in this one 
all the cracks are showing. I actually liked that one and they ruined it. I know so many people were defending the, oh, people getting upset about Diana killing while well, she's killed in the comics before. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. It was a big moment. Those are usually like somebody like huge where it's like, at that point, it's the ends justify the means. Like she has to do this because if not, more people are going to die. She's the one that has that famous quote of, like, don't kill if you can subdue, don't subdue if you can talk them down, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and it keeps and getting less and less. And she does talk people down more than any other superhero. She mm-hmm. does. She's the one who resorts to peace talks before anyone, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that about her. But she understands there is a time and a place for capital punishment, and I kind mm-hmm. of respect that, too. Yeah, and she said in the comics, like, I'm a warrior first. Yeah, so she's a soldier. Mm-hmm. Soldiers get, like, a different pass like captain Captain america America. yeah Yeah. (laughs) but she also didn't need to full-on shockwave collateral damage possibly endangering the police officers down below (laughs) the cinder blocks fall onto their cars along with the guy's singed hat so unnecessary yeah (laughs) if she needed to kill him in another way she could have killed him with out destroying the building reminds me of a video game like overwatch where it's like oh the clock's about to run out and i didn't use my ult yet i better do it now yeah <laughs> it's exactly like that there was no reason for her to kill those men she did it, it for fun <laughs> that was a weird uh take on mm-hmm. wonder woman i was very uncomfortable with that and then it just switched Ch- into chapter yeah. two age of heroes uh, so the Amazons are lighting their signal beacon and they're playing the Wonder Woman theme music. They let the world of man know that the box was taken, which of course the world of man doesn't know what the signal means, but Wonder Woman should. Uh, yeah. So Star Labs' Silas Stone, Cyborg's dad, um, is talking with the Adam, Ryan Choi, which was a nice little call out. Talking about a break in. Uh, one of the lab people produces a chibi drawing of like <laughs> Batman. <laughs> To describe the intruder, they're like, who did it? And then the guy produces his little chibi Batman. <laughs> and I was just like, that's so cute. <laughs> Get him to draw more. This is adorable. <laughs> so um, so it's kind of assumed, oh no, Batman's Robin, Star Labs, he's looking for something. But about they also it. ask him about, like, what was in this container? A thing? Excuse me? A scientific research item goes missing and you don't think to indict or, like, think this man is suspicious. Yeah, everyone seems to be working on a different set of logic than normal people, so, like... It's called plot. Yeah, the plot... It cuts so quickly back and forth from different scenes. Some of this could have been crammed into the same scene, but we're just gonna keep strobing back and forth to different Mm -hmm. people. But immediately we cut away from that scene, we go to Wonder Woman, who got the message from the Amazons... And she goes on a little adventure in her all-white suit and, like, eight-inch stilettos. <laughs> She's, like, perfect outfit to go spelunking. <laughs> she drops down a hole. She discovers an ancient wall that shows dark side on Earth. And it basically just tells her the plot. She's like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She looks at the wall. She's like, I see <laughs> pictures. This is giving me a complete story here. <laughs> the thing is, where the heck was this hole? That's we didn't what I see said. The lead into it. There was no lead into it. It was a straight up cut. <laughs> yeah. One minute she's walking around on the surface and then she just <laughs> plots. Plot. I will say I did like the art depictions. They were very cool. They were really pretty. They were very Greek. <laughs> very bright for something so old. It was very <laughs> yeah, well preserved. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so she gets down there, she sees all the pictures, and she's like, yes, I understand now. We don't have any sense of time or place or why she's there, but we're there. We cut over to a sailboat that is basically capsizing. There's a sailor in a storm. He looks up, there's Aquaman. <laughs> and he rescues him, carries him through the Arctic waters into a bar, and throws him on a table. And he's like, there you go, man who's been in the Arctic. <laughs> and the man's just like, oh, okay. He doesn't even look cold. He's just like, whatever, so I'm wet. hypothermia, am I right? He's just, he's fine. He's not even getting off the table. He's just staying on the table. Well, that's his blocking. He's not allowed to move, but he's clearly <laughs> fine. He's not even a little bothered, really. He doesn't even, like, shiver or, like, go, Oh, burr, I have frostbite <laughs> all over my body. He's just like, ah, I was just carried by a man. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> and this guy, Aquaman, swaggers over the bar, and he's like, You guys gotta stop messing with the storm. Just grabs the whole bottle, takes off, runs into the ocean. Not after another hem. Oh god, that hem was the worst. <laughs> that hem was the worst. And then needlessly takes off his shirt. Because we have to have topless Jason Momoa the entire time. I oh yeah, we gotta see those tattoos. So much could he's like tell your men to respect the storms, but then he has no problem throwing his shirt into the water. Oh yeah, or that bottle he just breaks it on the top (laughs) yeah and you're like dude your shirt was already soaked why are you taking it off now i think they told jason momoa he was shooting a perfume ad the entire time (laughs) everybody in this film is on a different tempo it's very Mm. weird they're all on a different genre so far maybe they'll come together i I heard they do i will say though the most confusing scenes from what we've seen so far because i know we're going to get into them is anything with aquaman because we also got his movie. Oh, yeah. And for those of you who have seen the Aquaman movie, you already have an idea of what's supposed to be his origin. Mm -hmm. But now we don't know which one do we take as canon. Do we take the James Wan film? Or do we take Snyder? Because technically Justice League came out first. It's hilarious how (laughs) different he is than in the movie. And how much oh, this yeah. contradicts the film. It's like, you don't even have that many films in this universe. No. How are you already contradicting yourself? So, okay. After his jump in the sea, Aquaman has a confrontation with uh, Willem Dafoe Volko. Um, Volko is basically confronting him in front of Atlan Strident. King Atlan, the guy who he spent his entire movie trying to find. And it's guard, guarded by, like, a, a Kraken. Uh, yeah. Kraken, yeah. And he... Voiced he, by it, Julie Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> no Julie Andrews to be found. He's just standing there. <laughs> and this guy, Volko, is like, here, take your mother's trident. And he's like, no, I don't want responsibility. And I mean, you kind of expect more, but whatever. Um, this is the first time we see Desaad. Yeah. He meets with Steppenwolf, who whines to him about how he wants to come home. Oh, I just long for the beauty of Apocalypse. Wow, it's such a great place. I wish I could go back. Hey, look, another person with daddy issues. 
Yes, everybody's so weird. He's just like, I just want to go back. If I get you all three of the mommy boxes, can I come home? Also, look at this nuclear reactor I'm in. I'm building a stronghold in the name of his glory. So it's not really so much a daddy issue, it's a god issue. We're, we're doing the uh, god thing again. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's to worship Darkseid. And, and Dasad is like... No, you can't come home. You tried to overthrow him, so you have to conquer like fifty thousand more worlds. <laughs> and Asad uh, no is like, big deal. or uh, sorry, Steppenwolf's just like, well, I'm not happy about it, but okay. Guess what? There aren't any Greek gods anymore here, uh, and there's no more Superman, so this will be easy. Or Green Lanterns. Oh, it was Green Lanterns, not Greek gods. They were more <laughs> afraid of the Green Lanterns than the Greek gods who actually beat them. <laughs> Speaking of. Diana now tells Bruce this very long story, and she's really struggling to tell it through her accent. It's a very long story about the first time that Darkseid tried to conquer the Earth. You know, because when all the Infinity Stones are collected, they become the Unity. <laughs> and if the Darkseid gets the Unity, he has unlimited power. The power of life and death. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like we've been here before. <laughs> And over many movies to give you character development. Yeah, that. <laughs> so this was kind of cool, though, to see like all of them teaming up. There were Greek gods, there were Amazons, there were Green Lanterns, there were men, and there were Atlanteans who did like pretty much nothing. But they were there to like cheer them on, basically run full tilt at Darkseid and his <laughs> hordes. Uh, the Green Lantern gets... <laughs> Is annihilated immediately. He lasts longer in this version than the Whedon cut, though, so... I mean, he just, he's like, oh, I have, I have this great long-distance power. Gotta go real close. <laughs> and the guy just grabs him and just tears him apart. Yeah. I it forgot his name, but he is an actual Green Lantern in the comics. He used to show up in the 70s. It was sad. Um, we gotta see so... a handful of Greek gods. There were, like, a few. It was Zeus... Ares and Artemis. Yeah. That was it. And beautiful father-son teamwork there. Oh my gosh. The <laughs> only good father-son relationship we've seen in the Snyder movies. <laughs> it, it was actually good. I mean, they were so ruthless and fast. I was like, oh my gosh, no one else needed to come. They had it in hand. It well, was everyone great. else just showed up because they're like, listen, we need everybody else to draw their attention while we take out the big guy. I guess. You're all fodder. Uh, yeah, they were. Like, you see all these Amazons running over their departed. So that was fun. I kind of liked the end of that scene. I was like, all right, I'm into this, and then it ends. Yeah, it was just... Diana <laughs> is just there for info dump. Anyways. So Darkseid runs away, and those left behind try to hide the boxes. <laughs> as we it. know, it's, it's the part. same as in the weeding <laughs> cut. <laughs> you have the... <laughs> the Amaskirans. <laughs> so, sorry, the Amazons putting their box in a temple. We'll guard it with all our might because we have nothing else to do with our lives. And then we have Atlantis and they're like, we'll put it on a pedestal. I don't know. And then we have the men who are just like, I don't know. Is this hole deep enough? It's six feet. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it didn't just even look six feet. It. it looked like three. No. Also, it's hilarious. Like you guys mentioned how the Amazonians and the Atlanteans went through so much trouble to keep them safe they had like a guard granted the amazonians was a lot heavily guarded it seemed at more times than the atlantean one but the humans completely forgot and guess which ones get stolen first the heavily guarded boxes 
Well, well that's because the humans were already busy stealing theirs and yeah. playing hot potato with it. <laughs> okay, fair. It was so easy to find <laughs> that it's uh, just being someone's paperweight over at Star Labs. But then chapter three, beloved mother, beloved son. <sighs> so you expect to see some of Martha in this chapter, right? That's immediately what I thought. Like, we were going to get more focus on Martha and Lois. Especially with beloved mother, beloved son, you immediately get Catholic imagery. You get, like, Virgin Mary, Jesus in her arms. Just something. Yeah. Listen, I'm not complaining. I didn't want to see it. So (laughs) I'm glad. I think I'm... You were glad to be surprised I had nothing to do with that? (laughs) The way he treats Superman is so uncomfortable. Like, that woman is not Martha. I'm sorry. She's some weird woman, but she's not Martha. She has no resemblance to Martha Kent. The same as Pa Kent was not Pa Kent. No. It was just some guy who wanted Superman to let kids die. I don't like these people. Instead, we get somebody from the Ministry of Silly Walks. Yes. (laughs) This is the part where I fell out of my seat. All right. At first, I was, like, laughing because we get to see Barry Allen walk. Which was funny. Like, I'd forgotten how weird this guy walks. So I was, like, already excited. I'm like, I can't wait to see what happens with the serious Barry. His run is so much worse than this movie. It's It's so bad. The run is so bad. Not just the run, but, like, the dialogue itself. The dialogue is really bad. I thought for sure that was all Joss Whedon. Because I'm like, there is no way Zack Snyder would create somebody like this. Well, he doesn't even do awkward well. He's, like, talking to this woman about why he's late for his job interview. She doesn't even care that he's late. She just wants his resume. And he will not shut up about this old lady on the bus. And he's like, she probably doesn't want to spend her last moments on a bus. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You are so annoying. So this scene is complicated. A lot is happening at once. Too right? much. Yeah. He's, Too much. He makes eye contact with... A very beautiful woman who we assume is Iris because immediately he has eyes for only her and she has eyes for only him. And she gets into her convertible and he's just watching her. You know something's going to happen to her because he's going to have to rescue her so he can get her number or something. But what ends up happening is while this man is spilling his guts to the interviewer, a semi-truck driver is eating a hamburger. And he's going way too fast through downtown Central City. There weren't that many people on the street, I will admit, but there was a hot dog vendor. (laughs) And this man, he drops the hamburger. So what does he do? He puts his whole body under the dash, stops driving the car, basically, or the semi, to get his hamburger. And I'm like, dude, you are not eating that. Shut up. So he stops paying attention to the road. And of course, this is when Iris has car trouble. That's why she wasn't on time to her stop. And then she finally gets the car to start, but she's looking at Barry as she drives away. Can't look at the road. And thank goodness Barry is looking at this woman instead of, like, (laughs) the person who's interviewing him. First of all, she sees the semi-truck driver run over the hot dog stand. And her first instinct is to go, huh, and keep going at the same speed until the last minute she decides to brake smashes into the truck, flies out of her car, because I guess she didn't have her seatbelt on, and Barry decides to enter the speed force, which is the best moment (laughs) of the whole film, because his shoes vaporize, he gets electricity all around him, he touches the The glass glass. on the door, Uh and it shatters, it bends and then shatters, 
and then he kicks his little feet up <laughs> in the most dainty Peter Pan run ever. And it goes all the way up to his butt. Like, it's just way too high of a run. And then he wibble wobbles his way over to Iris. <laughs> he gets to her and she is kind of like making the Amazon face, right? She's flying out of her car. Her eyebrows are not pursed. She is smooth face. She kind of looks happy about it. I was going to say, she looks like she was smiling. <laughs> yeah, she's like, cover girl, but make it fashion. As I <laughs> plummet your death, but look good. She's flying, but she kind of looks beautiful. And he looks up into her beautiful face and he plays with her hair a little bit. And then he looks a little more and then he sees, oh, a hot dog. And he grabs the hot dog and he looks at her and pulls her down and kind of spins her around in his arms and Runs off. I'm telling too fast. It happens way more slowly than this. Everything that we're going through, it all happens ten times slower. There's a cut to a sesame seed flying off of the hamburger. It's like a full CG sesame seed taking up not only the budget, but our time (laughs) as it spins towards the camera in slow motion. This is when you know this man hates you. This scene was so dumb. Like, okay, Monty Python Ministry of Silly Walks thing. Yes, that we knew he couldn't run. It was so awkward. You're touching this woman as she's about to die and think it's fine. And the Speed Force moments were also in slow-mo. He was doing his actions in (laughs) slow-mo. He was slow-moing in the speed force. He should be walking at a normal speed if everyone else is going slow. I was going to say it reminded me of the Quicksilver in, like, the X-Men movies. No, this is worse. (laughs) That one was funny because he is actually moving at a decent pace. You still see everything moving in front of him. The bullets are still going. But it's because we had to get the hem in there. I hated that. So, yeah, basically we get to see, like, this whole, like, Ava Maria of this guy, like, rescuing this girl. Of course, the Sesame Seed, who is the real star of this show. Iris is saved. Barry is playing with the dogs. The woman is looking down. Like, she doesn't even notice his vaporized shoes or the the blown-in door. She just sees Barry playing with the dogs, and he's like... I'm just such a good dog person. I carry meat with me because I know in these crazy times, sometimes dogs get frightened and they need meat. But oh boy, I really hope everything out there is okay. I want to cut to his shoes. Is she not going to notice his vaporized shoes on the ground? Or That was it. That was the comic relief. Waka waka. Cut cut away. (laughs) We're going to see Steppenwolf. I just want to call him Stefan. (laughs) Stefan. <laughs> oh, Stefan. Stefan Wolf. He just always looks like he's going to cry. His, his little quivering lip every time. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. So Quiver Lip is kidnapping <laughs> some Atlantean guards and interrogating them with a cool Starro device. Yeah. Yeah. He basically can, like, rip <laughs> memories out of their heads, mm-hmm. like, um, in a... Uh, like in a hologram. Yeah, in a hologram. He um, interrogates the guy. He sees where the mother box is. We don't get to see him chase the mother box because we have to hang out with Victor for a minute. Let me tell you about Victor Stone. (laughs) We get to see him before the accident, before he is a sad sack in a sweatshirt. He is a star football player, and he is in the principal's office because he hacked into the system at the school to change a girl's grades. 
probably a hot girl he was trying to impress. Maybe a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. The point is, he changed a girl's grades, and the principal's like, he can't do that. And his mom, who's sitting there like, he's like, Mrs. Stone, he can't be doing that. She's like, um, it's a Dr. Stone, and if you had a better school, that girl wouldn't get bad grades. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Did you hear the part about your son <laughs> hacking into our system to change a girl's grades? Teaching someone poorly is not the same as committing a felony. <laughs> I just want that to be clear here. And I'm sorry, like, if you're such a smart doctor, why are you sending your son to a school that makes people dumber? If the school's really failing people like this, then why do you want your kid to go here? And he's sitting outside the office with a giant smile on his face like, my oh, mom yeah. is the best. Because I'm a spoiled mama's boy. And so that's our introduction to Victor Stone. We're supposed to like this guy. This sad sack who was like supposed to be redeemed by having a backstory, we realize he's a spoiled brat. He's mm -hmm. the worst stereotype of a football player. Then we get to see the pampered mama's boy playing football in the weirdest winter. Yeah. Like the snow is coming sideways like in snowballs. He looks into the stands and there's his mama. Oh, she, she loves her boy. But not his daddy. Oh, but dad is absent. Jingle all the way flashback. <laughs> <laughs> my daddy doesn't love me because he keeps missing my football games. Keep saying he has something called a job, whatever that is. Definitely the laziest way to show that he had daddy issues, but alright, we'll go with it. He cries, like, tears up in the car while his mom <laughs> tells him, he wants to be here. And he's like, you always say that, you gotta stop covering for him. Like you cover for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems to be her whole job. Literally. Of course, because she's so busy comforting her poor, stupid what son. What is it with these two people? She can't drive the car now. She can't look <laughs> at the road. She just immediately, like, kills them both. Oh, yeah. Immediately I'm... sideswiped. First, it's Iris, look at the road. Then it's Mrs. Stone, look at the road. <laughs> <laughs> but I was also thinking, I was like, oh, where does this remind me of? Oh, wait, they did the same thing pretty much almost in Shazam, but they didn't actually kill the dad or the brother. All right. It was trite then. It was trite when it happened in Jessica Jones to her parents. It's trite whenever it happens. It's always like, oh, if I hadn't been distracting my parent, they wouldn't have been a bad driver. Like, the one death via automobile that actually made me shocked was surprisingly Titans, the death of Hawk and Dove's, like, her mom and his brother. I mean, that happens. Usually, anytime I've seen an accident, it's usually because, like, they weren't looking at the road. It's because there was either a misunderstanding about where to go. Or a goose walks in front of the cars in the middle of morning traffic. Hi, I almost hit a car this morning because a goose <laughs> walked in front of people and I had to hit my brakes because I'm trying to get over and I'm like, damn goose! The real life goose game. I never thought I'd see the day. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm so glad you're okay. That would have been a really awkward, like, get well card if I had to write that for you. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that or inclement weather. Yeah. I would just like to see us retire for a little while. Just the whole, the parents can't keep their eyes on the road. Whatever. Thing. Yeah. Think when we watch the second part, Martha, it's not going to look at the road. I hope she's texting at least. <laughs> 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 it's just like... <laughs> 
<laughs> At this point, she doesn't care if she lives or dies. She's just like, I'm going to roll that dice. <laughs> She's texting Lois. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Anyways, so Silas Stone, of course, as per the comics, as per mm-hmm. Doom Patrol, says, I will not accept that my son is dying. I'm going to save him. And then we get, like, some awkward cuts. We get to see him brooding. Vic is yeah. just looking out a window like, oh, you, you love creating monsters, don't you, Dad? Like me, I'm a monster. And it's like, yeah, you are. Like, but it wasn't the accident that made you that way. Victor, it was cute when you were five and dressed up like Frankenstein, but this is ridiculous. So he's like, <laughs> well, son, seeing as I can't talk to you like a person... I'm going to make you a tape recorder of uh, information. It's basically a handbook on how to use your powers. Here you go. I'll put some thoughtful thoughts at the end, but you can listen to the entire handbook first before we have any father-son time. It's, it's There's a lot of shorthand going on here for four hours. Vic picks it up, and it's a crazy info dump. It's like... All right, son, you're not just a monster. You're also able to do all sorts of things. Basically, you're a god. Kim music. Computer god. <laughs> yeah, we're all at your mercy, son. He says this, and then he tells the kid he can control nuclear bombs. He did worse than a parent who says, You seem depressed, son. You seem suicidal. Here's a gun. He goes, here are the codes to all the <laughs> nuclear bombs in the world. Silas Stone immediately pushes Jonathan Kent off the pedestal of worst father. He's the worst. Yeah. I do not understand where his head is at. But he's just like, you know, cheer up. You can blow us all up if you want. Like, why would you give him that option? But the real power, aside from hacking into social security, nuclear launch codes, the banks, is the power to not do it. Yeah, he's like, but please don't kill us. Cyborg's just glaring like he's gonna do it. Like, I honestly thought that's his next step. Oh my god. Essentially, Silas gave the shittiest version of with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he should have led with that. Or maybe he should have got his son some therapy. I don't know. Either of those would have been preferable. So, And all this, by the way, in this montage, there's like a bunch of stuff happening. So you really have no idea how long... Yeah. This has been. But when it cuts back to him in the tape recorder, it looks like no time has passed at all. Like, this was all happening in his head or something. Like, it's cut so weird. So, Vic goes over to the tape recorder as soon as he starts to hear his dad say something personal and, and destroys it. Because we have to know he hurt his dad. We didn't get that, I guess, already. But thanks for the tips about the nuclear codes. Oh my gosh. So, Vic, during his hymn, which this one's sung by a lady. <laughs> He uh, realizes he can spy on the single mother and watch her barely get by. He sees a montage of her life through all these different cameras, including her laptop. And he sees that she's having a hard time. So he decides he's going to do one good deed and wire her a million dollars from the National Bank. That's it. That's his one good deed he does. He helps one lady. And then he's like, that was enough work for today. (laughs) Um... I think he flies in this scene, right? No, he starts walking away and people stare at him. They're like, oh, a monster. Then he puts his hood back up. But this scene is supposed to be our way of being like, yes, we sympathize with him. Look at him. He's doing something good. 
No, he's not. He just did fraud. He just robbed a bank and put it in this woman's account, which I don't know. Is she going to be okay? Are FBI agents going to show up and interrogate her? (laughs) Well, so after he does that, we cut back to Alfred and Diana. They have their tea party. I love that scene. Cyborg hacks the back computer in that scene, and Diana's like, oh my gosh, some stranger hacked this computer is telling me to meet him. And Alfred's just like, yeah, do it. (laughs) So she goes. They have a little moment where she tries to connect with him. She tells him the world's in danger, that they need him. And he says, fuck the world. The first F-bomb. I feel like I don't want to hear those from someone with the nuclear codes. I really don't. He could grow, but right now I'm just nervous. (laughs) I know he's not going to blow up the world, but I still feel it. I feel it. So Cyborg gets attacked by parademons when he goes home, and he runs away with the mother box. He buries it about a foot down in his own grave. Because apparently he has a grave. That's shown to us. Because him and his mother were buried in the same location because everyone thinks Victor is dead so that Cyborg can live. Right. So that we learn in a snappy, non-explained scene. Which, it's really weird what things need to be explained like three times and which things don't. Mm -hmm. But he's like, "Ah, this is deep enough. (laughs) A light rain will will wash (laughs) all the dirt away, but I'm tired. I saved a woman today. I think I deserve a pat on the back. Yeah, so he he buries the mother box about a foot down. He leaves. Then we get to see Mira scene. And let me tell you something about Mira, all right? Amber Heard has a very particular voice that she used in Aquaman. Mm-hmm. It was a little annoying. Mm-hmm. So I can see why they were like, nah, you're British here. <laughs> she straight up has a British accent out of nowhere. Why is her voice different? I don't understand. I was so thrown. I almost didn't like pay attention into this really great scene where she fights Steppenwolf and actually blood bends. And you yeah. see this mm-hmm. woman did more damage to this guy than all the Amazons on the entire island of Themyscira, thus proving that these women need to up their game. They're useless. <laughs> Everything they do is to make them look good and pretty. Mira is down here in the trenches actually doing the work. Yeah. And she does an amazing job. Like, she nearly kills him. She outsmarts him, too. She does. Mm-hmm. Same move in um, the Aquaman movie against Ocean Master. I will say it's weird how she finds air out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, there's no bubbles of air that she's moving through the water. It's just, like, appearing. It's manifesting. Mm. So it's almost a little bit more like she's magicking air into existence. But they kind of all do that. Volko does that. The yeah. freaking dolphin talk? Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're all dolphin talking to each other. It's freaking weird. And I think it was earlier on when Bruce and Diana were looking at the screen. It's something about Aquaman essentially because of his mixed heritage that allows him to breathe on the surface. And it's like, Atlanteans can breathe on the Well, that's the other ground, thing too. That's, that's one of the other contradictions from the Aquaman movie. I always thought that was stupid though. Like, Mira needs to be able to breathe on land. And... I think other people should be allowed to as well. Not like everyone, not every species. Like the fishermen, I can see like not being able to breathe on land. But you'd think at least the human-shaped Atlanteans would be able to. The way it was described in the Aquaman movie was that mainly the royalty lines of like Atlanteans and whatnot had the ability to sustain above the surface better than like other Atlanteans. 
Right. And is that why Steppenwolf was dragging random guards above ground to essentially suffocate them and torture them? But they weren't freaking out and like... Yeah, no. they weren't suffocating. <laughs> they can breathe above water in this movie. In this movie, everyone can do it, apparently. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And yet they can't talk in the water. I get the logic. I see where it's coming yeah. from because, like, I can't really talk underwater. I mean, I can kind of, kind of like, what's <laughs> that, that one whale that, like, mimicked human speech? Oh, the beluga whale. <laughs> like that. They could have done that, but I feel like that would have been even sillier than the dolphin clicks. <laughs> that would have, just saying, I understand the dolphin clicks. I just mm. was surprised because I hadn't seen that in Aquaman. Yeah. So, yeah, she almost has Steppy down, and then Arthur shows up out of nowhere. Mr. I'll never go back to Atlantis shows up. Yeah. He doesn't even go like, hi, I'm, you know, whatever. He didn't even burst in like the Kool-Aid man going, my man, which I thought he would. (laughs) It's me, Aquaman, but he doesn't. (laughs) Takes on the guy, he puts up a little fight to show that he's fast and he's strong, and of course he loses, and Steppenwolf takes his second prize. And then Mira's like, you must be uh, Arthur. And he's like, I do not know you. And she goes, well, well, guess what? I'm Mira. I'm an orphan. I grew up with your mom. (laughs) I knew your mother. And we know that she knew his mother from Aquaman, but we also know that she has a dad. Yeah, played by Dolph Lundgren in the movie. His name is Zebel. This is Zebel Erasure. But yeah, we've introduced those two. We're done. Quick, let's go over to Barry. Barry's visiting his dad in prison. Barry's dad is acting his heart out. If Barry wasn't a valley girl, this would have been great. <laughs> like, I would have had tears in my eyes because it's such a sweet moment. It's so sad. But Barry's like, um, never tell that to me again. And I'm like, can you take that line again? Because I, I feel like there's a better way to say that. The actor did such a good job. But Ezra, that is how he talks. And I get it. That's why he shouldn't have been cast. He's a good actor. I do appreciate him as an actor, but not in this role. I appreciate a lot of actors that wouldn't fit in this role. Julie Ander- Andrews <laughs> like, would have done a better job as the Flash, but I don't want her to be the Flash. Just because you found a boy to play the Flash doesn't mean your job is done. Like You have to have a few more people try out. Honestly, at this point, just get the CW guy. I was just going to say, like, he could have made a call to Grant Gustin. I also saw so many people on Twitter being so like, this is the best live action Barry we've ever had. What has he done that's even like Barry? Nothing he does is right. Pretty much any other Flash has been great. CW Barry does a better job. He's really great. I liked him a lot. There are moments where you're like, "Mm." but a lot of that is bad writing. Yeah, it's just bad writing. Listen, I don't like CW. I've never been a fan of CW, but I loved his acting. I love his characterization. He's perfectly cast. Out of every actor in the whole CW cast ensemble from every show they have, he is the best cast actor in my opinion. He's really hard to beat. And you can bet a lot of people who watch Snyder's Cut have seen the CW Flash. Of course. So you have to actually cast someone who can meet that level of acting. I've already complained during oh. the Whedon one. It's fine. I just, he's not the Flash. He's some weird guy. Oh, 
so anyways yeah so he meets his dad in prison dad's like i don't want you throwing your life away you're working like four jobs you're getting a criminal science degree for me that's crazy i don't want to like hold you back so don't come here anymore and barry's like never say that to me again <laughs> and he goes to his clubhouse which is like a storage shed that he set up with like 20 monitors which is weird to me because that seems very not Barry-esque. Yeah. Of course, it's the exact same scene as the Whedon cut. It's Bruce. I'm Batman. Do you want to come hang out with me? Yes, I need friends. I'm a snack hole. They get in the car. They get off the plane and there's Diana. Diana's like, I couldn't get the other guy. Give him time. We're basically the only ones. This is how we're bringing them together very poorly and superman has yet to be actually mentioned to coming back no superman not yet, yet. but even in the weaving cut that didn't happen until the second half of the film yeah but like at least there was some like more hints about it because there we were. cut out so much of the unnecessary fat of this film yeah. it got there a bit quicker Thankfully. We at least got the team uniting very poorly, but they came together <laughs> at least within the first quarter mm -hmm. of the film. This is midway through. We actually didn't even hit two hours yet. It's like an hour 50. Yeah, it was like an hour 50. And I want to say in the weeding cut, all of this happened in the first 40 minutes. Yeah. Well, we had to see that sesame seed spin. You got to get those hems in there. All those hymns. There was one hymn that like stuck out to me. It was when Lois was on screen. <laughs> and she's like at Superman's... Uh, at, at the memorial at memorial. And you can hear the person singing. They told us our gods would outlive us. And they like, just repeating it. That was like the very first hymn, I think, for this movie. It was like, okay, <laughs> we're, we're setting up the idea right now. I was really upset. I was like, oh, there are vocals in this. And then I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Zach, did you want to say something? Don't be shy. Come on out. You can just talk over the movie. It's a guy singing a song, telling us Zach's thoughts. Yeah. Why don't you just do director's commentary at this point? Like, I don't need this. So that was chapters one, two, and three. Thank you so much for reading all that. That was a lot. In terms of our bingo sheet, we really couldn't fill out a lot yet because most of it depends on the second half of this film. All we can really say is uh, Flash run silly. Yep, we gotta take that mm -hmm. one off. Everything else, we're gonna have to wait until the second half of the movie. We definitely had like a lot of different options on here. We're going to be posting it up on our Twitter and our Instagram when this episode airs. So that way you yeah. guys can follow along with us. Even though you've probably already seen it, a lot of people just watched it like at midnight. Yeah. If you had cut out and made the slow-mo either regular speed for most of it, this four-hour movie would have been at least three. Yeah, I think we saw the Twitter thread where the one guy said that, yeah. Was there anything specifically in the Whedon cut that you felt you missed in this one? The shortness of the scenes? But aside from that, now Brevity. Brevity is the soul of wit! <laughs> Keep things short and sweet and to the point, please, and thank you. So, V, because I know Muse's answer to this, would you watch this again based on the one half you saw? Sadly, no. I want to say yes because there were parts that made me laugh. I do love a good roast. Watching Barry do anything is funny. Victor's scene was very unintentionally hilarious, but they're not funny a second time. It's just long and it was actually painful. Like if you're watching a movie like The Room, sure the acting is bad, sure everything is silly, but it's the pace snappy, you know? This was yeah. torturous. 
I cannot understand how anyone was able to stand it. I really felt like I was back in school when you're forced to watch like a couple of those educational videos. Yeah. Honestly, it's a one out of five for me. I can't, I can't go any lower. Like I can't think of a way to make this worse. Yeah, like having to give it a rating out of five, it's definitely a one. If we're going off of Rotten Tomatoes things to have yeah. this is a point five. I would never this pick this so up bad. again. And I was just like, do I have to continue? Please make it stop. <laughs> As I said, the prologue killed me. I would have just dropped it if I didn't have to record this podcast. Mm -hmm. I would say the hymns were the worst part for me. Um, it was a slog, but then when people start like audibly explaining the yeah. plot in song, not just song, but repetitious song, I start to get a little peeved. There's over explaining and then there's this. Not to mention the slow motion, not to mention all the unnecessary cuts and addition of scenes. I'm trying to find a word for masturbatory that's not <laughs> as loaded. It was self-indulgent. Mm -hmm. It was oh, yes. selfish. I felt like I wasn't even supposed to be here. This was mm -mm. from Zach to Zach. And I yeah. felt really insulted that I was being shown such an unedited take because it's just constant bloated scenes. There's nothing to roast when nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. And that was the worst part about this is that there was so much where nothing was happening because we can't just tell you what's going on. We have to show you again and again the props in the scene. Yeah. And if we are showing you what's happening, we have to slow it down so you're watching it one half speed. It's ridiculous, and it's mean. No. And the, the slow-mo also doesn't just slow the scene down, but usually you keep things at a fast pace, or you maybe speed something up to cover up maybe the CG, or cover up something that was maybe awkward. Slow-mo, you see every imperfection, and the reason I noticed it first was especially when uh, Hippolyta, when she's doing her slide under the door, mm -hmm. physics... She would have stopped. There was a lot of weirdness happening in that scene. We're, <laughs> we're halfway there, guys. We got one more half halfway to go. There. That episode is going to be airing along with our regularly scheduled episode, which we are going to be joined by our good friend Jedi Josh from Nerd Chat Comics and Culture, where he is going to be reading us a story from the Golden Age. Yay. So please stay tuned for both of those. Thank you guys so much for persevering through this creative vision. We will never have to do this again. That is such a lie. You will totally make us do it again for the next one. There won't be a next one. Oh, there will be. Zack Snyder is still around. I'm He'll trying to be hopeful, okay? That is your MO. <laughs> <laughs> but again, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Court of Valets podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Valets. Let us know which comics you would like us to cover and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.